0: Hello everyone, quick note before we begin, we've got a competition for you. We have 10 codes to give away for Factotum 90 on Steam, which just so happens to be a game that I'm a voice actor in. Mm. Anyway, uh, I'll tell you all the details about how to enter at the end of this podcast, so do make sure to stick around for that. For the time being though, cue the kettle and on with the show.
1: Netrunner, Colt Express, Rainbow Six Siege and... Number twos. this is staying in. So I take it we're all gearing up for the new uh magic release in uh Hangar Day six.
2: Damn, before you came on, Sam was telling me that he's putting all his geeky stuff in his Google Calendar. Ten
1: Yeah, yeah, so the new magic release is in my is in my Google Calendar. Friday the twenty second.
2: Sam, do you share that Google calendar with your significant other? I'm sure she's thrilled to bits that she gets reminders.
1: Of the latest comics. Batman All-Stars number one is like out in a few weeks, and I better go and pick my Batman number three up on the 20th. Um, no. No, no, no. It's kept, it's kept very private, um, my, my geeky calendar. But it's important. Oh, I, I only started doing it once when I went to the comic book shop, and they'd forgotten to put stuff in my box, which sounds ruder than it actually is, but... That's kind right. of how it works. I guess you could say bin. Some people call them bins. Um, yeah. I don't understand what you're saying. So, Dan, some people...
3: You're using you're using a phrase that is, is completely
1: alien to okay, me. Okay, well, I will explain it to you. That if you like a comic loads and loads and loads, then you can kindly ask your local comic book shop to put that comic aside for you. And then every time that comic comes out, they'll put that comic into your own little bin or box so when you're ready Does to have your name on it with your name on it so when you're ready to pick it up <laughs> sorry, So, sorry Sam in Dan's
2: head he's thinking of like the, the drawers at school Ab- no genuinely school, you know? that's what I'm thinking but
1: genuinely that's what some of them are like I mean mine's like a plastic um, folder are they,
3: are they, do you have to pay for this service or is no, it just a friendly free. as long as
1: I pick up the comics and pay for them then ok they're...
3: so you, the, there aren't kind of like premium levels of like kind of gold plated drawers that you pay extra for I don't know. You don't sit there looking kind of jealously over at what I don't know Ian McDonald has thorning over your
2: well, box. I,
1: I, I fail to see what benefits paying more for someone to put something somewhere aside for me later later on to pay for it's, it could have
3: because it's 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 the way it looks. It's the prestige. It's, it's so you can say yes, that's my collection. There, see the one that's gold trimmed with the lights. That's mine. So it's
1: like buying stuff in Rainbow Six Siege. It's just all skins and tags and. Exactly. Of no benefit to anyone.
2: It's quite a strange coincidence because the show that I was on last, Sam, you weren't on. We were talking about um, the game I have of Ikea where you find the product closest to your name. And yours actually was the Samlar, which is a plastic box with a lid. Well, there we go. To hold
1: your comics. And that's good because sometimes in Ikea. You can buy a product, but it doesn't come with the thing that the product actually needs to make it that product. Like, sometimes you can buy a box, but you have to buy the lid separately. Or a clock with no hands. Clock with no hands. Classic IKEA prank, that.
3: Buying a, a mop without the mop handle.
1: Yeah, just yeah. the mop head. But that's quite a common thing. Yeah. I, I bought a box on my comics the other day, so now they've got a special box. And... I ordered two empty uh, deck building boxes for my magic card collection. So I'm getting very organised. And and I had to buy some new sleeves for um, the new magic collection that's coming out on the 22nd because they, they've they come up with a cunning plan, Dan. You'll love this. Really, will I? Yeah. Is that I've got... Um, card sleeves. I put my cards in to keep them protected. And they're all... Um, is it opaque? Is opaque the right word where you can't see through something? Yeah, yeah
2: opaque, Translucent, whereas you can see just about opaque, so you can't see it at all.
1: Yeah, so all of my card sleeves are opaque. But now, magic of doing something um, which I think started with Shadows Over Innistrad where they print stuff on the backs of the cards. So now, I've got to buy new card sleeves so that when I turn over the cards, you can see what's on the other side. Can I just describe Dan's
2: face in response to that? Because obviously this is an audio (laughs) medium. And uh, Now, listeners may be thinking that Dan is just enamoured with this chat and utter awe of it, but actually you couldn't be far wrong from it. Um, Dan just had the look of, I want to say, discontent, mild
1: boredom. Um, and despair, I suppose. you've been too kind. But Dan, but Dan, but Dan, in the new Magic, right, they've got this mechanic called meld, <laughs> where you get two cards, and they're their own... Do they meld? And their own, yeah, you're ahead of me. And they're their own creatures on the front, and <sighs> for a certain amount of mana, you can exile them, but when you bring them back from exile, right, 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 these two different cards, you turn them over... And on the backs of each of these cards is two halves of one big card that's like a big like monster. You know like in Resident Evil 4 when you shot someone and then they suddenly started sprouting tentacles and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. It's that, but in magic, it's going to be great. But I had to buy new card sleeves. When
2: you say in magic, you mean basically imagination. <laughs>
1: this is a card game. You no, know, but, but, but Chris, they're taking my imagination right and yep. now they're bringing it in because we'll be physically making bigger cards and bigger monsters from those smaller ones i see
3: sam but what you're doing now is you're comparing magic a game which i've quite regularly showed not much inclination to like
1: despite never having played it (laughs)
3: yeah not not to play to (laughs) to... (laughs) like. and you're making me compare it to what having just very recently and i'm talking last night finished uh uncharted 3 making me compare it to the least good part of uncharted 3 where you shoot people and then they turn when you kill them they turn into fire demons and you have to kill them again i wasn't i wasn't comparing it to uncharted 3 yeah but you've made me compare it to that
2: yeah, yeah but that's
1: elite that's the worst <laughs> bit of that exactly but it's, the, but it's the best bit of resident evil 4 there we go
2: um well hang on sam me and you played a card game the other day that we thought hang on this is the way this is the way we'd get down into playing a card game
1: this yeah, is and funnily enough, it's designed by the same guy who made Magic, which immediately has put Dan off, so he might as well give up. <laughs> yeah. But, but do you want to talk about what that game was? Uh, yeah. Are we recording, by the way? Yeah, I'm recording, yeah. I'm recording, yeah. Okay, that's good. i better start. Then. I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> going to miss out on this gold. Um, yeah, I'll tell Dan. Dan, we finally played Netrunner by Richard Garfield. For listeners okay. at home, Dan's expression hasn't changed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what do you know about Netrunner, Dan? I know,
3: um, that it comes in a large square box with a design which is kind of, uh, blue and green in, in kind of hue. Um, the name of it is Netrunner. Yeah. Android Netrunner, technically.
1: And it's a card-based game. And that you got it for your birthday. I did get it for my birthday. After having it, um... Well, for wanting to play it for for ages and ages and ages, um, because it obviously it's you know named it's designed by Richard Garfield, so he tends to make good card games. He's got a bit of a history of doing that. Um, basically, to explain it, it's a two-player card game, which is a bit of a shame, really, because unlike Magic, which is quite flexible and you can play uh, three-player games quite easily and four-player and teams. Um, Netrunner is really limited in that respect. Like Some people have made rules for multiple players, but then it really only works if you've got four, uh, because then you double up basically the factions that you can play. But the two-player variant, or the two-player how it's meant to be played, is one person takes on the role of a big sort of big city corporation, which was Chris. So Chris was like this big city fat cat. Big cheese. They've got all the money, they've got all the resources, and they like bully their way around. To be
3: fair, when I think of Chris, I do think of big city fat cat. It, it, it's, 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 it was the obvious decision for you to make. So
1: Chris is like, what's a good corporation comparison? Uh, Nestle. Microsoft. Oh, right, Microsoft. Yeah, fair enough. Um so Chris is like Microsoft coming in bullying around everyone, telling everyone they've got to use Internet Explorer, but really they don't have to um, and you're a piece of work, Chris. <laughs> so the aim of so the, what Chris has got to do is as a, as a corporation he's, he's got to build up his um, assets and agendas. If he builds them up to a certain amount, he can score those and it's and if he gets seven points, he wins. And that's as simple as that. However, he's got to face up against me, the plucky young hacker. Oh, yeah. You're Apple. <laughs> I'm Apple. Um, uh, or the FBI. I'm trying to hack into Apple's shit. And um, so basically my job is, is to try and infiltrate the servers in which he's got these assets and agendas installed um, using my hacking programs. Because if I can get them, then I score those points, and he doesn't, and the hackers win, and that's basically it. Um, I'd need to play it. Yeah, I think genuinely But at least, yeah. but, but Chris, Chris, at least he wants to play this one. Yeah, that's true.
3: <laughs> to be fair, uh, from that description, I'm not j- I'm not running out of the house to go and buy it, but that's because. I don't. I think by the sounds of it, it's a game that really comes to life in a environment when you're playing against each yeah, other. Yeah, 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 that's when yeah. it comes. Describing the rules, I don't think by the sounds of it, does its service in the fact of that sounds fairly uh, fairly formulaic to kind of card game rules. However, I know of Netrunner, so I know its popularity and games of that level of popularity usually aren't particularly formulaic, and so there is an element that kind of really kind of brings it to a higher level. And I think probably if I played it I would really probably enjoy it quite a lot. Mm. Is it is it just is it just two player is it can you can you expand it more? Um, as I explained in my opening blurb Yeah, I I know know you do, but I wasn't really listening because you were talking about magic at the same time and that I got distracted and switched off. Well, I'll force you to rewind and listen to it later.
2: (laughs) Danny, you're like the Winter winter Soldier. Sam can say a few passphrases to you and it just kind of
1: like
3: (laughs) activates you or the opposite deactivates you. We just say the word magic.
1: I think if I just say the word magic...
3: I'm not uh, going to give Sam kind of Captain America levels of uh, kudos. Maybe Paul McKenna. It be Paul McKenna. He <laughs> says a word, and I just <laughs> sleep. sleep. A conversation with Paul McKenna and Captain America in the same
1: breath. So is the Paul McKenna of staying in. I think the other thing that you'll like about Netrunner Dan is that when you buy the box, which is quite which is quite expensive, I think it's about between twenty five and thirty pounds. Inside the box, you get um, uh, basically all the cards you will ever need to play this game. Um, and you get all these tokens and all these fancy other things that you can use to like uh, make the game come alive a bit more. But inside this box you get, I think it's four um, different versions of each, or like eight factions, so like four corporations and four different hackers. And so, if you bought the box, your box is exactly the same as my box, so you could learn what's in it, and I learn what's in it, and so you know what kind of beats what, and what you like to play with so unlike magic where it's kind of a bit more circumspect and there's a lot of expansions and lots of things flying around you buy the box that's all you're ever going to need there are expansions around that you can buy and and play with that adapt certain ways to play but really that box is is it which make which really really makes it great which is why which is why i like it a lot
3: i think i think what what's appealing to me um, above something like magic is the by the sense of it the element of narrative into the game yeah and I always kind of that uh, if a game regardless of if it 's a board game a card game a video game narrative will always draw me in and that will always it, if it has a good narrative i 'm completely sold whether it 's a narrative that the game puts out in front of me or a narrative that I have to create myself um when that is easily done so for example with magic there 's no real narrative there it 's Whatever the card throws up I know obviously the strategy and all that stuff And I'm not having a go it's Just There's not a lot of narrative that you can put into it Whereas other games So for example a game that I've I played recently Called um, Escape I think it's Escape from Aliens in Outer Space yeah. uh, The idea of that game is you kind of play against each other And you, you're secretly trying to catch each other On a spaceship between aliens and soldiers It's literally just moving around a board so there's no narrative. However, you will naturally, because of the nature of the game, put your own narrative into it because you're running away from someone or you're chasing someone. And I think any kind of game that allows you to have a narrative, like this one sounds like it does, will immediately have me much more interested than something which is just kind of uh, technique and kind of uh, gameplay-based like magic, which is just kind of playing cards and it's card A beats card B, Unless you've got cards and that stuff, and I think that that's what never got me really into magic in the way that maybe Netrunner might. I agree with you, Dan, because like I was the corporation
2: and Sam was the hacker. So I had a different agenda to him. So it was all for me. It was about meeting my targets, but, but protecting my servers. So I put up like a line of cards in front of me, and Sam has to work his way through those kind of firewalls that I create. But he doesn't know what they are, and he doesn't know what I'm protecting. It could be an elaborate bluff. So Sam has to choose what he's what what um, server he's trying to hack, and I have to try and keep him at bay. So it's really quite cool, <clears throat> and it's it's that kind of asymmetrical play. The fact that I my my layout of cards is different to his. That makes it a little bit more interesting, I think.
3: I mean, um, it's, it sounds a little similar. Obviously, a different um, kind of genre of gaming because obviously it's not—it wasn't card-based, but similar to uh, Lord of the Rings Confrontation. Oh yeah. In terms of playing, kind of moving characters and characters being able to do different things, and also playing that bluff game because you you may be trying to move certain cards or certain pieces in a particular way to make the opposition think you're doing something that you're yeah. actually not to kind of trick them into doing something. And that's what it kind of there is. I, I think there's a lot more by the sounds of it, a lot more subtlety and a lot more nuance into how you can play a game like Netrunner than 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 many other types of card games.
1: You'll, you'll like it. The, 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 as I've already mentioned, one of the big problems is that it's only two-player, and also because of that asymmetrical play, I think there's a big hurdle to overcome in terms of learning it. So before Chris came around to play it, I sent him the rules, and there's actually a really good video on YouTube which Fantasy Flight put together. Uh, yeah, that's what I watched, which gives you kind of a brief overview of the play because you need to learn. You need to know how both sides play the game, mm-hmm. um, because there are certain rules that govern the corporation and there's different rules that govern how the how the um, the runner plays, the hacker. So that's that's the biggest hurdle. Like I've tried a few times to um, like learn it with. To teach it to Percival, so me and him can play, and so it's just like right. This is how the corporation plays, and then a certain amount of time later. But this is how the runner plays, and then and then this is how they interact together. And that's a bit of a hurdle that is a bit difficult to overcome. Um,
3: But what to be fair, I think that's that's one of the good things about as you saying there. The um, is it Fantasy Flight? Mm -hmm. I think you called it, yeah. Uh, I think some of the videos you get on kind of on YouTube I and mean, you look at something like that or you look at some like very popular the tabletop um, series with uh, Season Geek 4 is out yet.
2: soon actually Season 4 is coming out soon
3: Well th- I didn't realise like that, that and I'm excited about that um, Yeah with Will with, Wheaton with, What I've always what I've always found is if there's been a game that I've wanted to play um, if if they've done an episode on that I will always watch and like if I want to get my wife to play or something like that I'll always show her at least the opening of that because they explain it so Pretty well, well yeah. in terms of how, how these games dynamics work and kind of not so much telling you every little detail, but knowing which details are important for you to get started and knowing which parts you will pick up along the way. And I think videos like that are really, really good. I think over in the recent years when there has been kind of a move towards small board games, I think that's been kind of a, a really good kind of move in terms of, audio uh video kind of vlogging um on youtube that it's been it's not just unboxing videos now you're actually getting real good detail i mean uh my friend and yours uh kind of duncan malloy who works with osprey games i've some of the games that he's he's made that i've that i've played i i've watched kind of games of his that he's been able to go in and do a video and explain exactly how the the fundamentals of the game work so you go in after like a five minute video Fully prepped. Yeah, and you don't have to worry about interpreting the rules yourself. They are telling you exactly this is how you do this. Physically moving the pieces as well, which is great to make that as you say, get that nice, quick, and easy setup for the game. That you're not sitting there going, uh, "Let me just check the instructions. Is that right? Is this right? How
1: do you do this?" It's all kind of done for you, which is which is really good. Don't get me wrong, Like Netrunner, me and Chris were still like, How am I gonna, let me just check the rule on that, and are we doing this right? Did you, did you shuffle this deck, sir? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you, Dan. And I, let me tell you, as a man who's currently renovating his own house, instructional videos are currently my bag. Um, <laughs> I can thoroughly recommend B&Q's How to Hang Wallpaper as one of my favourites of most recent memory. Um, a great instructional guide. Um, also, I watched with uh, my girlfriend's dad about how to um, lay drainage pipes. The director's commentary. You're living just such a crazy life, Sam. You really are. The outtakes are hilarious. Tell you what, Dan. When you finally come to see my house, I can tell you all about where your poo goes.
3: Yay! I've already had the. I've already had the tour. <laughs> I, I, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I think I've seen over the past. Six months, I've just seen picture after picture of trenches being dug in your garden. He sent me... Didn't he, did not you get the Snapchat of him just following,
2: you know, the underground sewage mains from the house out through the garden? There's a little bend, a sharp bend, and apparently, down every time you put mm-hmm. a bend at a certain angle, you have to put, like, an inspection
1: thing. Above well, yeah, because if it, if, if it, it blocks, it's me. not likely to block at the straight bit, so you put it at the bend, because if there is a likely to be a blockage in the pipe, and that's where it's going to occur, so
2: you are listening to staying in the number one podcast <laughs> but, but i tell you
1: what like when you when you've done that when you physically like we had to dig down and find out where the main waste pipe is so that's where we could cut in then we had to trace it all back we had to dig up concrete in the extension of the house and there comes a point where you're just like why can't we make this transparent so everyone can see all the wonderful work that we've done um but Look, that's my poo. Look, that's my p- There it goes, well, look, off again. Well, look, the generation game. Here's <laughs> <laughs> a cuddly toy. And today's Dan has had sweet corn and pepperoni. So you guys know that I've got a geek calendar. I'm aware. Yeah. yeah. You've mentioned
3: yeah. it once
2: or twice. Yeah. The, a geek calendar that you've not shared with your significant Well, them. Why would I? It's
1: I my you, calendar, Chris.
2: I don't know. Well, you can have a shared calendar. I think it's just an, it's an important part of a relationship. It's, it's the important next. It is the most important next step. I would say. I can't think anything. Else. I think.
3: I think you're assuming that his significant other would want to would share want. With yeah, the geek yeah. calendar. We, Dan, Dan, we
1: can't make that assumption. I can Do you think? Do you think Lisa really wants to know when Batman Three is going to be out?
2: Even if, even if just to avoid you around that time.
1: It's true. I do get extremely giddy. Today, for example, my geek calendar told me that Batman number two is out, as in the comic. Um <laughs> I'm not gone back to waste pipes. <laughs> um, um... <laughs> oh, that took a long time coming, but it got there, Chris. Just like... You're pooing my house. Um so I decided to go and go into town and get it. But I live a considerable way out of Manchester city centre. Um, so today I'm I've got a day off. So I decided to cycle the thirteen miles uh, into Manchester to go and pick up my comics. Was this when you sent sent a
3: Snapchat of you Another Snapchat? S- you Snapchat. So I just looked at you Snapchatting while cycling. So I wasn't sure how you were holding the phone, but also you were cycling next to a canal, and I, yes. it, it was one of those things of when it cuts out. I was like the next thing you hear is man falls <laughs> into canal while Snapchatting.
1: <laughs> I'm not lying, Dan. I came close. <laughs> um, yeah, so I did cycle today, and I did. I used um, satellite navigation for the first time while cycling because I wasn't sure how. <laughs>
2: got gets onto the M62.
1: <laughs> well, that nearly <laughs> happened as well, Chris, because, right. So, I had such a horrible time. Loaded Google Maps to start with, got my headphones in, and um even though that's illegal, I know that, but hey how Is Is it illegal? I didn't know well, that. Well, you're not allowed to like listen to music or anything out while you're on the bike. So, you know, I had my rebuttal ready for when a copper pulled me over. It's like, "Oh, you sand gatos out of your ears. I'm navigating, mate. That's what I was going to say. And he'll be the like... copper on a Segway or another <laughs> bike. Um, so, but the thing is, is that for some reason, Google Maps was being very, very limited with the information. Not only when, but also what it was giving me. So, I'd approach a roundabout. Turn right! And I, <laughs> that was it. I'd approach a roundabout and be like, It should have given me some information right back now, but I'm out in the country, so maybe it's a little bit slow. And I just think... And I just thought, I'll I'll get into the roundabout, because I know it's not the first turning, so maybe it's the second, and maybe it will, you know, get into gear. And then... How many laps did you do? (laughs) I got halfway round, there's one roundabout, and I just thought, this is ridiculous. Stopped. Pulled my bike onto the pavement. As I was taking my phone out of my pocket, the lady went... Take the third exit onto the roundabout towards the A five seventy two. I was like, You
3: fucking <laughs> You knew
1: yeah. Um That happened far too many times. Could have been worse. So I decided to ditch Google Maps and I loaded up Apple Maps. And this is the brilliant thing about is Apple it, is Maps. Is this where Apple Maps right?
3: sends you to like Manchester in the US or something
0: like that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, finding the destination wasn't easy to start with, but once it did, load up Apple Maps now. Now Apple Maps doesn't have a cycling function which is crucial because really you want to be avoiding going the fastest route to a location which will involve you on motorways and stuff. So I loaded it up and put it on its walking thing thinking that yeah if it knows I'm walking it knows I doesn't I don't want to walk along a motorway so it find me a relatively easy path to go on. Uh, it was giving me instructions and I thought oh that's good. Yeah now I know where I'm going now. Yeah left here right there. And then, and then after about five minutes it went, changing to driving mode. Because <laughs> I was obviously travelling for it too fast and it was going, fucking no. <laughs> hell, this guy ain't walking. Um, so yeah, so then I just had to like, turn it all off and try and find my way back, which is exciting.
3: Well, uh, you've had a very exciting day, it seems. Mm-hmm. Much, more than, much more exciting than mine was.
1: I just oh, went okay. to work and came home. Well, maybe Dan, you should start cycling using an ineffective satellite navigation system on your way home. You, you, that's it. Keep keep selling it. Keep selling it.
2: <laughs> Dan, Dan do, you have, do Dan,
3: do you have a bike? No, I don't. I do not own a bicycle.
2: I was just thinking because I've got my bike in Liverpool now. I was just wondering, we, you know, when you come down, for when we're going to go up Scarful Pike. Could, I, there's something we could we could go. We could be like I don't
3: know. To be fair, I think a more I think eco-friendly version of the Hell's I think Angels. Think, Chris, for for <laughs> our group, I'm not the person we should be worrying about in terms of getting a bike.
2: I will get Pete stabilisers or a tandem. We'll <laughs> have
1: them on the back. Yeah. <laughs> Pete has a tandem. You can get Pete the bike that I had when I was a kid, uh, and it was called the Airwolf, which, a, a tricycle. Oh, I had that yeah.
2: one. I had that one with a big box on the front, which he played all these different crazy sounds, yeah. these laser yeah, sounds. sounds. Yeah, yeah. I have that.
1: <laughs> Get him that it was yeah. brilliant. I was like driving down my little street in like suburban rugby, like Bew, pew, pew. ironically, that was more useful than his sat nav that he had today <laughs> on his bike. um oh God, it's just awful, but Batman number two's all right, so I guess it was worth it. <laughs>
2: I've actually bought some new walking boots have you? and I'm actually I've actually because I was working from home today I was actually wearing them around the flat today to get used to them to check if they're the right boots for me so if not I'll take them back but they're quite nice but, boots actually but
1: if, I, if, if memory serves me correct, Chris, you live on a ground floor flat uh, yes. which doesn't have an upstairs so you're not really performing the one single action that you, you've bought that those boots for, which is climbing up stuff.
3: Are you suggesting I build some kind
2: of a salt course in my flat <laughs> to really put the boots through their paces? Or
1: go to a step
3: class at a gym? Well, in theory, you, I mean, you could, you'd still be getting some uh, good training in just from walking. You don't have to be necessarily climbing. You'd still be getting yeah, good. Just to kind of get a Yeah, just, just hiking. It can be a. I mean, as we found out when we climbed the mountain before, you never know, a mountain climb could involve a six mile hike on flat ground as well. So
2: I yeah, need to be good, ready yeah. for just all keep opportunities. things interesting.
1: Do you, do you fully sock up, Chris?
2: I do actually. I, I I I'm a person who likes to wear two pairs of
3: socks when I hike. Okay. Um, not not just, pair, <laughs> not just in I've, general I've life. pair. No, not just. I've I've yeah. worn two two pairs uh, during winter at times. Yeah. Have you? It feels good because you get extra cushioning in your feet. Then it feels really nice. That's quite
2: an image you've conjured up there, Dan. I'm just going to let that
3: sink. No. Do, okay. Do, okay. Do you want to know what I what I used to do? What I used to do, and it was during winter because um, i get cold um, I'd wear two pairs of socks but I would also <laughs> one, I Dan. would wear sometimes underneath my work trousers um, my pyjama bottoms oh my god I'd wear the what was amazing though is because because of that you feel like
1: you're in your pyjamas all day it's amazing and when, and when you come and when you and when you come home whoop off we go exactly pyjama party magic
2: Mike. <laughs> can I just say um, <laughs> Dan out of the three of us you you live the most southern out of us three both me and Sam live in the north and, uh, I mean, I've never, ever had to do that. So how cold do you get? Do you, are you a cold person? Do you have very poor circulation, Dan?
1: His surname is Frosty.
2: That's true. He's not like a Dickens character. <laughs> <laughs> Normative determinism.
1: I guarantee if you try it,
3: you you will feel what I felt. And it's great. Just walking around, and you can just feel like you're in your pyjamas... And it's lovely. If you have extra socks on, your feet are all cushioned, so it's kind of like you're wearing, like, slipper socks. It's just perfect. you know what I've done at work?
2: Um, uh, I've actually got under my desk, it's from a student performance, they sold their piece after me, I've got strips of AstroTurf under my desk, it feels like grass, and I can take my shoes off. They sold their piece? Yeah, well, I bought it off them because they used it in a performance. You are a mug, Chris. And I've got these strips of AstroTurf underneath my desk so I can take my shoes off and get that feeling. That, albeit plasticky, the feeling of grass beneath my feet. Down. That's, And that's actually quite relaxing. You know how he says in Die Hard, when you've done a flight, first thing you do is take your shoes off and just scrunch your toes up on the floor. Totally works. Totally works.
1: Works for what?
2: What, all the flying that you're doing? These stresses me. Well, I'm, I'm on the third floor, Sam. At work. <laughs> I, I, and as you've already said, I live on the ground floor in my The flat. first
3: thing you do when you get on a flight is take your shoes off and scrunch your toes. Get off a flight. Oh, off a flight. But
2: actually, if I'm on a long flight, though, I will take my shoes oh, off. Oh,
3: yeah. That's that's why I'm confused. Why I unless it's like a three-hour anything more than say three hours, my shoes are coming off straight away. Well, I Dan, don't, I don't
2: know why you need to wear shoes. You wearing two pairs of socks, and probably didn't feel anything. Exactly. And practically in my, in my you're like hobbit yeah,
3: feet. I've got like a dressing gown underneath my shirt. I've got the whole the whole shebang. I look like the Michelin Man.
1: Eye mask underneath Dan, your sunglasses. Dan, Dan's there on the flight, normal clothes. Like he goes, he goes through one of those body scanner things at the airport, and they think, "Oh, that's that's a bit weird." Like they look at him, and are just like, "He looks like he's ready for bed on the body scanner," but no, we we'll just, we'll just let it go. sits down in his seat. It's like thirty minutes later, bing, everyone unbuckles her belt. And he goes. He runs to the toy that comes back, like toothbrush in his mouth, like sleep, sleep sleeping cap on, little, little towel draped over his arm. I bet you, though, Sam, with, what, with, a, little, with a little candle, <laughs> a little candle. I bet
2: Sam Dan gets a bit of a thrill during the day, like because he's a superhero. He's got his costume underneath his everyday clothes <laughs> at any moment when trouble strikes. I got to the end of. Uh, most of the DC TV universe, their recent uh, seasons. So I've got to the end of Flash season two, Supergirl season one, and Legends of Tomorrow season one. I've not.
1: Uh, how was the fl- How was the
2: Flash? Oh, it was really good. It was I the same Flash. quality. I'm season. halfway through season two. I'm not going to spoil anything, Dan. I don't worry. That's okay. I know. No, I'm not going to spoil anything, but um, every series. just feels like that it's almost as if they think it's going to be their last so they're just going to go out on a high so every you know every season they're just pushing it and pushing it more and their third season is actually going to be a kind of they're actually going to be following loosely a very key flash storyline from the dc comics universe which is very bold um really and that's what i love about this series it's almost the audacity of it they just don't care and they do it really well and it's really lovely and it's um they're very faithful to the kind of the self-referentiality, I suppose. Like, for example, Barry's dad in The Flash played The Flash himself in the original TV series. There's a few characters from that original TV series that crop up in it as well, which is really nice. And it's the same in Supergirl. Um, Clara's mum played Supergirl in the film. Her her, her dad played is Dean Kane, who played Superman in the Lois and Clark stories. Oh, Dean. Which is really nice. It's really lovely to have that. And like, even if you weren't really that nostalgic about that, it's just really lovely to see this kind of... this. This reverence, I suppose, for these old, um, incarnations of the characters, really. That's one thing that's quite nice. That's what lovely, that's the one thing I love about the TV universe. With the possible exception of Arrow, um, it's very different to the the DC film universe. It's got a heart
3: and it knows that it's silly. Yeah. But it's, but it's just complete, um, but the, but Arrow, but the Green Arrow isn't silly though. I think that's the thing. There's, it's not as much of a comedic character like the Flash. Yeah, is. not. I'm not saying the Flash is. I'm not saying the Flash doesn't have kind of obviously serious storylines, but naturally, he's a much more light-hearted character than Green Arrow. Green Arrow is closer. Green Arrow is basically because they couldn't have a TV show of Batman. Yeah, essentially. So, so Green Arrow is the equivalent of Batman. It's the rich guy who train goes a, goes a, goes abroad, trains to become a vigilante, comes back and protects his city but i wouldn't be surprised if that does happen in the future that
2: we do get batman cropping up he wouldn't have his own series but because in the next season of supergirl superman is
3: going to be appearing i think from from my experience of arrow they've always been quite clear that batman may exist but they've never actively kind of mentioned him that could be for rights reasons the closest they've got is i think they uh I don't think kind of anything more overtly than this, but Harley Quinn does make a cameo in, a, in, a, in an episode, and that's the closest thing that I've seen to kind of the real Batman. And you get Rachel Ghoul, for example, and
2: uh, the League of Assassins. That's them literally yeah. trying to literally trying to uh, shoehorn
3: in exactly more interesting things. Um, I, I mean, it, that's that's thing. It, it very, much, I think that very much is them their attempt of doing Batman the series. Deadshot was in yeah. it as well. Yeah, exactly. Deadshot a Deathstroke.
1: Which one is he? Um,
2: Deadshot's the Deadshot sniper. Both Deathstrokes the, death strokes the um, evil masturbator.
1: Yeah. Okay. <sighs> <sighs> There's a great um, just lowering the tone. There's A great uh, scene in in um, American Eight, a- Superman, American Alien, involving um, Deathshot. Deathshot. What? Deadshot and Deathstroke. Deathshot. I think so. The one with the swords. Deathstroke. Swords is Deathstroke. Alright, I get it because you... St- you deathstroke is, sh- is the shooter. Yeah. Death, sh- deathstroke has the All swords. Right, I get it now, now. I've got it in my head. That's what it'll be. Forever. Arrow, Arrow I now got on with. It was far too serious. Took itself far too seriously, which I think as we've seen with the DCU, film U, that is, um if you take yourself too seriously then it's just never never going to work um
3: arrow, arrow did have elements of kind of more lightheartedness as well i think the the as you say the dc universe films very very gritty and kind of very serious whereas arrow the nature of arrow he he lives in the dark he lives at at, at night that's when he defends the city the flash can kind of go be out anytime because no one can see him because he's so fast so when you naturally have a, a character who can only really come out at night that pushes your storylines to a darker nature because it doesn't make sense to have really wacky light-hearted content when you're in a battle at midnight but, it just it, it, it would have jarred
2: but the flash is also the flash also goes into some darker territories like um the current oh yeah the current villain in season two zoom is, a, is a quite a nasty piece of work um, it's why, it's why DC Legends of Tomorrow is kind of the weird one, really, because they've basically, they've basically handpicked, I suppose, some of the fringe characters from the television universe and put them all together in one series, which is a clever idea. And they basically become time travelers, so it's the most science fiction y of the bunch. So each, ep- each kind of different series has its own particular flavour, which is quite nice. Um, and that's, I think, that's been rescheduled for a second season. They've all been picked up. Supergirl's now moved to CW is really lovely so there'll be more crossovers between the, her and the Flash again and hopefully our own
3: things but I quite like the, I prefer the DC TV universe I'm much more than the film universe if I'm honest I mean at the moment we've only had one DC film really obviously we've had we've had more in the past but of their yeah. set up for the DCU obviously Green Lantern was meant to be but they've pretty much discarded that one and said actually that that didn't count that was just a practice go that one didn't count now yeah. we're starting it with batman versus superman admittedly that didn't pay off either but they've they've put their chips on the table now they can't back out of that uh, so it's difficult to know and i think they will have learned a lot from that first film so it's going to be interesting to judge how the next few and i think suicide squad is going to be really important to to kind of how that how the chips fall on that that universe because I think that there's a there's a lot riding on that one. If that one f- suffers the same way that Batman vs Superman did, then they could be in trouble. I don't think it will because I think that there are just better people behind Suicide Squad.
2: Yeah, David Ayer is a very good director. Um and um while on the subject of the Justice League movie, Jeremy Irons has recently commented that the script for the Justice League movie is a lot more simpler and I think a little bit more light-hearted, I would say good um, yeah i think i think a said it was less, more linear less it?
1: convoluted I, I love the fact that more characters the script is simpler than a film that essentially was only meant to have two in it um the um the special edition's out soon isn't it 30 minutes of bonus footage but apparently like
2: it it sounds very strange and paradoxical but i might actually watch that
1: i know because chris apparently... i'm gonna get it it's not in my geek calendar but um no no <laughs> <laughs>
2: but it's going to i think like one of the problems of it was one of the many problems of it was it's just it was convoluted plot and and it was like looking at a, a very big but incomplete jigsaw so that's the paradox really it felt too big and bloated but there was bits missing from it which made it even more infuriating so it's still going to be big and bloated but it's going to have all the pieces in play hopefully to make things make plot points a little bit more understandable and make character decisions a little bit more logical and cohesive so i might watch that
3: um, might look I, th- I well. think I think by the I think Batman vs Superman. Well, the DC to kind of continue your analogy of jigsaw's was kind of like starting a jigsaw in the middle and trying to work it out from there. Whereas, kind of you always start at so the looking, edge, Dan. Exactly. So if you look at Marvel, they they started on the edge, they created that foundation, and then they could fill it all in. DC tried said, "Oh no, we need to get to the good stuff in the middle, and then we'll try and work our way. We'll figure it out afterwards." What, what were the I finished? Was, p- I was
2: in a shop. I was in a shop the other day shopping for a four-year-old and I found a jigsaw doesn't have straight sides. It's
3: like really hard to kind of like solve it because it doesn't have edges. Well, how big a jigsaw is it? Because if it's like a 10-piece jigsaw that's not no, too no, difficult. No, Are you sure piece, it wasn't so, a return, yeah. Chris?
1: <laughs> <laughs> someone someone just like took all the ret- took all the edges out. Yeah, it's meant to be like that. But, um, <laughs> and to no, to no, be no, fair, Chris, <laughs> it's only
3: difficult if it if the edges aren't they may not be kind of vertical or horizontal. As long as they're not kind of jigsaw shaped, then you know it's yeah. the edge.
1: There's still an edge.
3: If well, if the jigsaw's a
1: circle... It's still got an edge. You could still make nah, that ah, circle.
2: Ah, but the edges, Dan, are like the bumpy bits you get of the jigsaw. So it's like someone's like ripped it out of the jigsaw. If you see what I mean? Exactly.
1: So it's a return. We all know that recently I bought my first ever video game DLC. Was this... Go on.
2: DLC being downloadable content?
1: Yes. Well done, well done Chris. You score one <laughs> geek point. No, Dan, that's that's my thing, Dan. No, you've got <laughs> was it go. Uncharted? It was. It was, it was. Dan. Um, so enamoured I was by that game and I also got a £5 off voucher from Amazon because I pre-ordered... Um, I bought the DLC, which hasn't been... Well, I think Naughty Dog have talked about it briefly, and they say that the single-player expansion will be substantial. Um, okay,
3: so it's, so it's not just kind of extra maps and multiplayer in the
2: skins it's and all that jazz.
1: two multiplayer expansions and one single-player expansion. There's a single-player expansion? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's not so happened that it- year.
2: Am, am I right and correct? That's never happened for Uncharted before,
1: has it? Not for Uncharted. They had
3: it for The Last of Us because they had Left
2: Behind. Yes, yes. But is, is it is it in that same kind of vein? Yes. Wow. It so was
1: it... the it was the success of Left Behind that they decided to do it for Uncharted for. So there will be um, extra story and, stuff. And obviously, I've not played the game,
2: but will this be like a prequel in the same vein as the Last of Us, or will it be a continuation of this narrative? So. Or is that? Is that? Are we wondering into spoiler territory there?
3: I, have, I haven't played it either, so I'm going to jump in with my opinion. Um, and I'd say it, I imagine it's more likely to be a prequel because that's a much easier thing. Because if you do something that's going to follow on, it it's going to do nothing but be detrimental to the ending of the game. You put it as a prequel, it can exist entirely by itself. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not reliant on the game.
1: Uh, you, well, I can't really say anything, can I? No, um, they they could do it. They could do something after the main narrative. Now, now you just want to make me play the game. Well, you should have we should played it lost, already. I'm
2: surprised we haven't lost Dan. Now he's got his shiny brand new copy of it. I'm surprised we haven't lost him. To, he's getting
3: yeah, it. I, 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 I finished Uncharted I Three. I think for the third time. I, um, I, I played. I played it. I've played all three of them from the uh, Nathan Drake collection. Um, I finished number three last night, and I enjoyed the ending of it so much. The kind of the the kind of The feeling of Adrenaline and Euphoria at the end of it with a great kind of closing sequence and stuff like that, that I was like, now I need to play and try It for. I can either wait and try and find like a great deal, but I just really want to play it right here, right now. So I went to Amazon, Amazon Prime, next day delivery, and boom, it's now in my hand.
2: Oh, my word. I'm still 10% of the way from Metal Gear Solid 5. Like Pete, we're currently playing that game, and that's not a little light, breezy, fluffy tile that you can just breeze through. So it's going to be a while before I get uncharted for. Um... Yeah, I've,
3: I, I'm looking forward to playing Metal Gear, but there's I've I've got a. I think I'm. I've decided I'm not going to play through uh, Peace Walker now. I'm just going to watch no, the videos. I think no, like Sam, you I, did. I can just lend you Metal Gear Solid Five, Dan. Hopefully, I'll be done by the time. Hopefully. Well, I'm still going to play Grand Zeros. Time. Okay. Because oh, I want to play Grand Zeros before Metal Gear Solid Five. Have I got that? Do um, I borrow that off Pete? So I, I've already got I've already got Grand Zeros. Oh, there you go. Well, you won't take you long to play that. You can play that in one go, Dan.
2: But I'm actually enjoying it. I, there was a kind of a lull where I wasn't really um, taking to it, but I've now just engaged in a, a sniper battle that can rival possibly the end's sniper battle for Metal Gear Solid Three. Uh, you do love a good snipe, don't I you? I do. I do love a good snipe. Oh my word! Just want a good snipe. It's the one thing that I want. I'd love to see. I'm there. I haven't got it, but I can understand why I haven't got it. Is in siege because we've been playing Rainbow Six Siege Mm, collectively. When when the four of us can get together to game, at the moment we're playing Rainbow Six Siege, which is basically we have our own squad and uh, several missions... What do we call ourselves? I don't know. Sad Apples. The Sad Apples, that was it. That's because of our our esteemed colleague, Peter Willington's inability to kind of... um, Turn a phrase. Articulate the common phrase, sour grapes, (laughs) um, (laughs) um, in a previous show. And... um, so yeah, so basically you're a squad of soldiers with different skills, different weapons uh, and you have to kind of essentially kind of infiltrate storm buildings that contain terrorists and these terrorists might just be you might just be terrorists and you've got to work your way through them take them all out, or they may have a hostage or bombs that need uh, diffusing. but it's quite nice for us to all be collectively together and it is like it was on the, when they da- when they showed the game last year. All of us can repel up the side of buildings. We can see each other. We can get into position. One of us could deploy like a mobile kind of um, camera on wheels that can kind of scout ahead, and we can mark up enemy enemy terrorists there. And then we can kind of collectively strategize. And- the
1: only the only thing that's missing from that initial E three presentation is the professional chat um, that yeah. that bunch of people had compared to the chat that we have, which genuinely is. Um, along the lines of, Oh, he's there, he's there is that no, he's what go, you got, you got a bummer uh, uh, no, uh, Chris, Chris, who was covering me? Yeah, it's that kind of thing. Um, Siege is all right, it's okay. It's I a mean, good, it's a good, it's a good, it's a, it's a really good because we like to play cooperative <laughs>
3: games. I think yeah. over time we've played lots over the years, and I think one of the reasons we got Siege is because we've had such good times in the past with Rainbow Six Vegas and Vegas 2 um, the, which is
1: not as good as
3: no it's not as good as but I, I it is I think it does meet the requirements that we have for a really good cooperative game it's tough it's really tough and it's quite it's brutal game by yourself and it's very tense when you're
2: by yourself I,
1: I find it very easy really? Uh, I'm playing it on hard now yeah. for any sound sort of
2: challenge Dan Sam is, something's happened to Sam it's me and him <laughs> played the other day it's like we're playing hard Chris like, oh do we have to Sam? <laughs> Uh, and yeah, Sam Sam has just become one with this machine. <laughs> it's, it's the only worried.
1: way I get enjoyment from it because the the whole idea for me is that when you're doing the terrorist hunt, it's meant to be tense. Like you're meant to, um, you know, be checking every single corner, using uh, wheels a lot to mark <laughs> enemies. But the fact is, like I'm level four fifteen now, and I've been doing the terrace hunts and all the kind of stuff on on recruit is it is that the first level yeah um for so long on casual or whatever it is that i know the patterns of the guys i know where they're going to be i know where they hide um i know that that purposefully their accuracy is down at a lower percentage so that i've got time to like i can just stand there and reload a gun i know i'm not going to get shot whereas on hard they do the same amount of damage they do on recruit but That accuracy is bumped up to almost near perfect. So you've got to be like, so it brings in that element of, oh, I just can't just wander around this house and clear it out. Like I've got to check corners. And for me, that's a lot more fun. Yeah, Because I was playing with Chris and Chris was like sending wheels every five minutes. I was like, fuck this. I'm just barging my way through doors and popping off people.
2: Yeah, Dan, I rewatched Predator the other day and I was looking at the the group, the squad, that Arnold Schwarzenegger (laughs) has (laughs) assembled trying to find out, you know, relating this to our Rainbow Six playing, which of them I would be, and it would be the guy who makes the jokes and wears the glasses, who's one of the first to go. And oh, yeah. Sam yeah. Sam would be Dutch.
1: <laughs> oh brilliant.
2: Um, basically, in this scenario.
1: What does does Predator still hold up?
2: Uh yeah, it's lovely. Um it's actually funny, actually, I was listening to a podcast um an interview with Shane Black talking about his latest film, The Nice Guys, which is a good film. You should check it out if you haven't already. And he was talking because Shane Black um, was in Predator. Ironically, he was the, the guy who made the jokes and wore the glasses. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. He's in Predator. He had, and like he 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 wrote his own jokes for it because it was the only bit of levity in the whole film. Um, but yeah, he was talking about how brutal the filming was in the jungle and how. Um, basically how all the elements were against them it's a really interesting film actually well
3: they're making a new sequel aren't they they're kind yeah. of, well Shane they're, they're, Black
2: they're is doing it
3: yeah yeah, because he's kind of bringing it back the idea being that he's taking it back to its roots as opposed to where it kind of got to where the Predator especially after the Alien vs Predator films the Predator especially was really kind of watered down because he actually ended up becoming a kind of an ally of the kind of the soldiers because that, that, the, the story demanded it in order to have kind of soldiers versus aliens with the predators offering a helping
1: hand. And then there was Predators, which was ridiculous.
2: I was also. Have you ever read the comic book Batman versus Predator?
1: No. One I those... read Judge Dredd versus Predator.
2: Yeah, that's a classic. Um. Yeah, that's, it's it's nothing really to write home about, really, but it's just one of those interesting kind of concepts of you just put these two particular characters together, what would happen? Yeah,
1: Predator's actually an interesting character in that respect because you learn that the whole idea of the Predator was to fight like the best of the bunch, um, which for some reason in, in Predator 2 is Danny Glover. Like, he... Predator's there, and he goes, right, I'm my job here is if I'm going to die I'm going to be killed by the best the best of everyone here and in the first Predator movie it's Schwarzenegger yeah you know this guy he's the best he's got the muscles he's got the brawn and in the second one it's Danny Glover (laughs) (laughs) he's too old for this (laughs) shit too old you've got to think if you're Danny Glover and you're
3: like okay I've got this role I'm replacing Arnold Schwarzenegger they've clearly
1: gone in a different direction this (laughs) this film it's a comedy a a buddy movie (laughs) Oh, predator! You're so messy. Can you imagine being in the casting room, though? (laughs) So,
3: okay. Unfortunately, the deal for Arnold has fallen through. But it's okay. I've got a
1: plan. Dolph Lundgren? (laughs) No. No.
0: no.
1: Uh... Chuck Norris? No. (laughs) Glover. Oh. Seagal? No. Glover. No, no, Glover. Seriously, Glover. Right, and and what happens? Like Glover gets killed by the predator at the end, and like that's no, no. He kills a predator what yeah he finds their ship and then kills a predator oh oh so he so he, uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> just wait <laughs> they're still waiting for the punchline yeah yeah brilliant he's got such a good agent um talking of that they're bringing they're making a new have you seen that they're making a lethal weapon tv series yeah i saw
2: the trailer for it you you sound really infused well, I've never watched a lethal weapon film. It's one of those weird things. I've That's never incredible. I think I you'd like them. Good. I think I would. I think I would. I, lo- I like Shane Black. It's just
1: it's one did of those you things. See they, that did you pass see
3: they made a um, uh, a TV show of Rush Hour? Yes, That's... Rush Hour. Yeah. They just got cancelled after one series.
1: Did it star Chris Tucker? Because I imagine he's not got no. much else going on at the moment.
3: No, it it literally just it just starred an Asian actor and a black actor. Brilliant. And that was it. And they just said, let's call it Rush Hour. It was not good. Not good at all.
2: That's strange because Rush Hour was were stellar films.
1: Yeah. I've never
3: watched those Rush Hour films.
1: Have you never argued? Dan, you'd think the first uh, one the first one's on the first one's on like every Christmas, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. You'd I think Dan you'd like Rush Hour. It was it was at the time that Buddy Movies was it, it pretty much is the epitome of Buddy Movie. Rush Hour Two's okay, Rush Hour Three was god awful. But <laughs> I, I I don't even watch any past the first one if I'm honest. Well
3: Are they making another
1: Bad Boys? Ooh, that's been rumoured for a long time. Um, is it, have they made a th- have they made three bad boys? Yes. Or is it just two? Just No, it's just the two isn't it? They made three. Does I swear they? they made three bad boy movies. Bad boys, bad boys three. It's slated for 2017.
3: Yes, yeah, but so so, so it is just bad boys one and two.
1: So that's four. Four. That's like fourteen years since bad boys two. Is that right? Yeah.
3: Yeah, but it's twenty years since indep- Independence Day. Fair enough. Gosh. They've just brought out Independence Day Resurgence, which, to be fair, has a, an amazing tagline of
1: we've been preparing for 20 years, so have they. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> That's actually a really good tagline. It's not meant to be that good. But um, they're making another Beverly Hills cop as well.
3: With Eddie Murphy, though?
1: Yeah, Eddie Murphy's on board. Wowzers.
3: All, all the all the
1: hippest movie news here on Staying In. i little... <laughs> <laughs> um, Briefly, I want to say I, I brought up the fact I bought DLC for the first time for Uncharted for any video game and that was it it was Uncharted but I've also been playing my first bit of board game DLC which is like ELC no yeah, yeah. what would you call it not le- that the early learning EC system? expansion VGLC B- B- VGLC what's that
3: B- I said BG
1: what's that board- uh, yeah. on, no. BGC he's BGC bought,
3: he's, board games, bought, he's bought an expansion.
1: expansion BGE there you go this is for Sam's Buggy. birthday present
2: I spent ages yeah, buying him and I got him, a, got him a birthday present in the end what did I get so you Chris,
1: Chris finally got me a birthday present. He got me Cult Express. Was it the first quick.
3: present he got you? Because he has a habit of buying you numerous presents because you've either got them already or have oh. played them in the past. It was
1: actually the second present he got me. The first one was a Star Labs mug from The Flash. And I was happy with that, Dan. So imagine my surprise when Cult Express turned up on my doorstep. I actually, forgot I actually forgot I'd bought him the mug. Uh, weirdly it was from amazon and it was just wrapped in uh clear cellophane it's really weird i've never seen that from them before um but oh well got here safe and well and cult express is brilliant basically it's a it's a programmable board game played on a 3d train that you have to build yourself set in the wild west set in the wild west and you get to move all the pieces around it's really cool. But the 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 expansion, uh which is called Stagecoach and I think it's just called the Stagecoach. Horses and Stagecoach, I think, isn't it? Uh yeah, Horses and Stagecoach adds horses and stagecoaches into it. And it's Dan, it's so much fun. We would have had more fun if three of the three of the three out of the five horses hadn't have died after the first round. But when hey, you say programmable board game, what do you mean by that? Um basically it's um You play Cult Express over a series of five rounds. Within each round, uh, you get a card which tells you how many of your movement cards you play in that round. So you program what you want to do in in that round, so everyone plays a card in their turn, and at the end of the round, all of the cards get played sequentially, and the the movements are played out. In like a storyboard, Chris is right. Okay, so you program what you want to do. So you don't know how it's going to play out until the no, end. That's of the a hilarious No, but you, you can
2: try and plan it, but stuff will. You can't predict certain things because sometimes you'll have to put your cards face down, so you don't know what everyone else has done. So you might you might not end up where you think you are, and sometimes that can be fortuitous. It might play to your advantage because you can. You have to also decide when you want to shoot. And you don't know who you're going to necessarily be shooting because you don't know where they're going to be. It's really fun. It's really okay. good fun. And stealing loot as well. And other people might punch you into the next car, but there's the marshal there. And if you see the marshal, it sends you to the roof. So there's an element of strategy. There's also an element of luck, and it's really good fun.
1: But the expansion is um, uh, it's just great because I was listening to the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast and they were, and they were right about this when they said that the problem with Colt Express as it is is that you've got this wonderful 3D board to play it off basically you got this wonderful 3d train that you make but it's a very 2d game but what this the horses and the stagecoach do is that they add the 3d element to it so you can jump off the train onto your horse and like gallop up to the train and then jump onto the stagecoach and get a hostage and the hostages are like in uh Berger brothers you don't know what you're robbing Robin to, you to you're um so like you could pick up a uh, a dog and the dog basically is a really awful companion. It's like the most expensive hostage that you can steal. But each time, at the start of each round with a dog, like, you pay a penalty for having the dog. So it's like almost you're having to take care of it. puts you at a disadvantage, even though it's worth a lot of money. And like there's other ones, like you pick up a photographer, but that the photographer means that you can't play any cards face down anymore because the idea is is that he's taking photos of you all the time so nothing that you do is ever hidden. Um, it's a wonderful game and the expansion the first expansion I bought for it for a board game has made me feel like I've started to look for other expansions for things mm-hmm. so um, yeah it's all really good. That was staying in with myself, Sam Turner Daniel Frost and Dr Chris Darby If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Mixcloud, Acast, Spreaker, Stitcher, or wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. If you'd like, leave us a review too. We'd be really grateful. Visit stayingin.podbean.com for more information and links to the comics, games, movies, and more, everything we covered in this episode. And come find us on Twitter at stayinginpod. Thanks for listening.
0: So in Factotum 90, you control two Walker robots and puzzle your way through 30 levels to restore power to a spaceship adrift in the cosmos, attempting to reactivate life support and solve the mystery of why power was lost in the first place. Factotum 90 is from friends of the show Tax Games. It's on Xbox One and Steam. And uh, did I mention that I happen to be a voice actor in it? Hmm... Anyway, we've been given 10 codes for the Steam version to give away and all you need to do to be in with a chance of winning is follow us on Twitter at StayingInPod and retweet the competition post that we've got pinned to the top of our Twitter profile. Now, our Twitter profile is not massively popular at the moment so you actually stand a really good chance of winning. So uh, do get in there early. The competition ends 30th of July and we'll contact winners via Twitter. Best of luck to everyone who enters and thanks again to Tax Games for supplying the codes.